Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh, Nick, the uh, offseason program for the Kansas City Chiefs is over. Up next is training camp. Um, you know, but I mean, here we are. I mean, uh, you know, the, the season will be here before we know it um, with the Chiefs opening at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, so I mean, just look, this is like the one time that NFL players and well, not players necessarily, but NFL front offices and everybody like can get away, have a little time off. Um, do you think Brett Veach is going to get to do that? Or do you think his, his month is going to be consumed by uh, the Orlando Brown contract situation? I don't know if it'll necessarily be consumed by it, but I mean, I'm hoping he's able to get away and him and his family get to go do something. I'm hoping, you know, if I remember correctly, I believe Andy Reid when he was on Colin Coward said that he was going to go, uh, he's going to go take a trip to Italy. So I'm really curious to hear about that. If, uh, Andy ends up going over to Italy and taking a trip over there. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. What Andy was able to kind of, um, what he's able to observe over there and, you know, potentially what type of food he's able to eat and how it compares to, will he ever be able to eat it on Olive Garden again? Right. I was going to say, I, I, I predict he'll have better pasta than he gets in Kansas City. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that'll, you know, well, it'll be interesting in that regard, kind of what that's like if he's able to take that trip. Cause I mean, he said that on Colin Coward's show about three or four weeks ago. So, I mean, you know, plans change. You never know. So I know he normally would go out to California to, um, to, to, to a nice house that he has near the beach. I know that yeah. in, in that area. And I would, I would, you know, if he, if he wants to invite us out there, I mean, feel free, you know, I mean, I'll take some, I got some PTO days available. Right. I've never, yeah. been, to the, I've never been to the beach. I mean, but I don't know how long it's going to take me to drive there. So, I mean, you know, that's going to be a, going to throw a, a, a wrench into that plan. Yeah, no, um, that is an open invitation to Andy. Anytime he wants to invite us to his house for a little uh, Andy at home segment, um, you know, I will clear my schedule um, as long as he promises to grill me a burger. Or no, a no, 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 dude, because if I remember correctly, he wouldn't be too far from his favorite spot, Tommy's Burgers. Okay, so he can grill me a steak after we have lunch at Tommy's Burgers. <laughs> First off, if Andy, if Andy would be hypothetically kind enough to invite you to his house, um, there's he didn't need to do a thing. Like you should I, be grilling the steak for Andy Reid. I'm just, yeah, I, I, I could, but I feel like you know maybe you know uh, the king in his castle may want to flex with his own, you know, his own grilling, um, you know, um, for his guests, for his invited guests. <laughs> the guests that he still hasn't invited that you. I mean, and, you know, if he, if he extends the invitation at that point, I would, you know, I'd be the guest. You know, I hope he listens to this someday. Just so he can be like, <laughs> what's wrong with these guys? Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he'll, he'll just look at me at training camp and be like, be like, I'm not talking until that guy leaves. He's kind of, you know, he's a stalker. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, um, this is not how I anticipated the podcast starting, but here we are just a couple minutes into it already. Every week, my goal is to set a new record for how fast I can derail the podcast. And I have not been good at that the last couple of weeks. Um, so I had to get back. I had to get back into, into off season program may be over, but for me, it's time to get, this is our training camp. I've got to get back in regular season form. Uh, is there a way I can take a vacation like the rest of the NFL front office from you? <laughs> yeah, my vacations yeah. from you. It's not from football. Um, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, this is kind of, this is that time of the year. I mean, 
I know there's going to be an event next week for uh, Summit, but I mean, other than that, I mean, there's really, yeah, this is kind of where team, if a front office or a team wants to take two or three weeks, maybe even a month away after after today on the when we're taping this podcast on a Friday, uh, June 17th, that's really the time where a lot of a lot of people can kind of get their reset and take their break because some of the, uh, something that a lot of people don't realize is some of those coaches and front office members they don't have days off during the season. Like they're, you know, it's seven days in a row. Like they're, you know, it's not necessarily like you get a Saturday, Sunday every week. Cause they're still, those guys are still grinding out at times. Those guys are still scouting. Those guys are still watching tape. And so, yeah, it's an NFL job, man. I mean, it's uh, well, I don't think enough people realize like that for some of those guys, like that's a, you know, 20, 20 hours a day, seven days a week for some. Well, and- that's true for like NFL beat reporters too. Like this is the the month they get off, right? Yeah. I remember, <clears throat> I remember our dear friend Therese when uh, when John Dorsey got, uh, <laughs> got sacked and Brett Veach was uh, became the GM. Like he was on vacation out on the West Coast and was uh, less than thrilled with the timing of that announcement, as I recall. Yeah, I always I always felt so honored because like I would just call to check on him while he. Cause I know there's one time he went down, he went down to Florida for vacation and he was on the, he was on the beach and everything. And I just called him and like, he answered for me and he <laughs> reminded me, he's like, remember, remember Jacobs, I don't answer for everybody. He's like, what's up. And so I was, I was like, dude, I'm just seeing how you're doing, how your vacation's going. Is everything going all right? And then, you know, we chatted for a while, but like, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was proud of him whenever he'd get away on vacation, he genuinely got away. So that's why I never, when I did talk to him, I was on vacation. We never, we never talked football during that time, just because like that was his time to kind of reset. And I think I remember one year he can't remember if one year he he was able to finally get back home to Detroit for a little bit and kind of see his family. But I mean, I'm I'm blurring a lot of years together from 2013 to 17 during that time. But I, I knew how much that meant to him as well to uh be able to get that time away so yeah like you said beat writers front office members players like this is kind of the time and you know Mahomes going up here he'll have potentially i think him and kelsey have the lake tahoe thing again they're they're attached to that from last i saw so i mean you know Mahomes will have that coming up and then you know you you asked Mahomes a couple of questions at the press conference uh about you know some of the events that are getting ready to come up in in his life as well yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> uh, keep your eye on Instagram. There will be a gender reveal forthcoming. He's on team hashtag team boy. Um, and he fully expects this to be the wild, you know, the wild child. Cause he said Sterling's very calm. So he, he expects the wildest child ever. But uh, um, obviously if you missed it, he and Brittany are having baby number two. Um, and it, you know, not all athletes like to have their, their public life out there. Um, but you know, Patrick and, and Brittany share a lot of stuff on, on Instagram and stuff like that with, with their followers. Um, and I think I, Patrick, I think genuinely gets a kick out of it when you ask him about his personal life. Like he, he kind of lights up and, um, you know, you get to see, wait a minute, he's very, you think, you think he likes being treated human like the rest of us? Well, I just, well, some guys don't want to do it, right? They want to be yeah, private. They don't want to put that information out there. So it's kind of a judgment call. If, if guys don't put a lot of personal information out there on social media, I think you have to respect that. Right. And sure, sure. you can ask questions, but you have to kind of shy away from um, digging, you know, being too personal, but Patrick's different. And, and look, he, you know, he's going into 
what year five as a starting quarterback, he's pretty cerebral when he talks football, right? I mean, I don't want to say it's passionless, but he's pretty um, matter of fact when you ask him about plays, about what he sees on the field, things like that. When you ask him about Sterling or something like that, he lights up and you really see um, a little bit more of, of Patrick's personality. He tends to you know, joke and make quips. It's a little bit like Andy Reed in that respect, right? Like um, if you're asking Andy about personnel or X's and O's, he's pretty matter of fact. Um, but when you, when you ask Andy a little bit more off the beaten path, non-football questions, Andy's actually a pretty hysterical guy. Um, and you can see whether it's influenced by Reed or if they just have similar personalities in that respect, um, uh, Patrick gets a kick out of uh, talking about his kids, which is very unusual. I've never met any parent who likes bragging and talking about their children. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> know about a guy in this podcast that was bragging about his kid on Twitter. Right, uh, he made delicious tacos, uh, you know, because my wife was volunteering and so he took care of dinner. Um, so get you, get you a 14 year old like mine. Good job. I'm glad, I'm glad Harrison uh, could <laughs> step up to the plate and make some, make some tacos to make Todd Palmer happy. That's right. Hashtag nailed it. So training well, camp you starts. And your hashtags. My goodness. I, I I'm, I'm big on it. Hash Brown um, training camp's going to start <laughs> for those who don't know uh, on July 27th. Um, that will not be open to the public. The first public practice um, will be on July 28th. Uh, linebackers are going to sign autographs that day. Um, you know, there's a couple days on July 29th and 30th where it's going to cost money to go up there. Um, no practice on the 31st. Um, if you're wondering when quarterbacks and running backs will sign autographs, it will be Monday, August 2nd. Um, and it looks like all the practices are scheduled for 915, uh, up in St. Joe, except for the last one, which is at 815. Um, Quarterbacks and running backs will also sign autographs on August 17th. Um, if you are looking for that and August 11th, according to the schedule that was literally released as we were um, recording the podcast. So, so um, this is breaking news as we discuss it, but probably not breaking news by the time you listen to it. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, this will, um, Wow. Okay. So this year they're doing, they're doing practices almost an hour later for the most part. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're normally at eight fifteen. They're gonna be nine fifteen. Yeah. Now. They're all nine fifteen. Well, except which, the last one's eight fifteen. Right. 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 Yeah. Which which eases the travel burden and how early you have to get up to make it to St. Joe. <laughs> I don't know. You may still get up at that same time. Uh, wow. Okay. Interesting. So that's so. They break camp August 18th, um, so that'll be uh, after the first preseason game, ahead of the second one, and then at that point, they'll be back in Kansas City and start to get into a, a regular season-type schedule. Well, Todd, I mean, I, I hope you start marking down your days for uh, Chiefs training camp when that starts July 27th. Um, I've already got it booked off. Now I just have to convince my bosses to let me go up there every day. <laughs> every day? <laughs> every day. Oh, good luck with that one, buddy. Thanks. I, I appreciate your support. I'm going to include you as a reference in my request. <laughs> a reference? Do you even need those for that type of stuff? You're like, do you even reference, bro? Do you even reference, bro, bro? <laughs> do you even bro, bro? <laughs> no, but all right. So, hey, I got to go out um, 
Wednesday, they pretty much, the Chiefs only did like the conditioning test. They didn't do much on the field work. Um, so they really and, only. And, and you did not get to witness that. Right. One. And we didn't get to witness, um, you know, that. So I, I cannot tell you who um, who would be the best long distance runner on, on the Chiefs team. Um, <laughs> my guess is, if I was guessing, it would be Prince Tego Winago, but that's just, a, that's strictly a guess. Wow, dude. I mean, I... <laughs> maybe Derek Naughty. Maybe Derek Naughty. So, I mean, other than something you weren't able to observe and, and accurately predict, um, was there anything that stood out to you at the two days you were there for Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah, look, so on my, look, all it's all passing, right? They don't do running. You can't hit. Uh, and I even asked Andy, like, it, you know, in terms of like George Karloftis, Darian Kennard, guys like that, like, what's the value of mini camp? Because we did get to watch practice on Tuesday, Wednesday. And he, you know, he, he said, well, you know, you're looking for, you know, hand placement footwork. You can work on all the technical details. Guys can work on, you know, getting plays and assignments and stuff like that. But he's like, he's like, when you're, when you're talking about um, the big guys, um, you got to wait till the pads come on at camp, which won't be till, you know, probably what the 30th of, of July or, or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I, if it's still three days, I'm not sure if they change that in the new CBA, but usually it was three days of non-padded practice before you get rolling with that stuff. So, look, I mean, any proclamation about what George Karloftis is or is not going to be or what Darian Kennard can or cannot be is premature because we ha- we don't know. I mean, they're in shorts. Um, but you can get a decent read on wide receivers and secondary a little bit more in those team periods. Um, but that's really the only thing that can be evaluated evaluative in my opinion from mini camp so did you just uh, make up a word i think i did i think i did i'm, I'm very proud of myself uh, i think it's a six dollar word if i make it up no it's not it's not because i recognize what the word was so that doesn't count <laughs> um, now you're playing our own game is that wordle is this what wordle is because i don't know i see it all the time i don't know what it actually is that's right that's right you get you get eight green or nine green uh squares um i'm gonna be honest i don't know what wordle is I don't use TikTok. Um, I still write checks. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know yeah. if I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm falling behind in the times or, you know, if because I, I used to be, I used to keep up with that stuff, but I, I just don't anymore because there's too much to keep up with and I don't have an interest in it. I'm, I'm pretty happily behind the times. <clears throat> I know when the World Cup watch party was going on uh, after it wrapped up on the FS1 broadcast had a live performance by someone named Becky G. And we have some younger members of the staff who were like, oh, you know her. You would know some of her songs. And I was like, I was like, I think you underestimate how uncool I really am. Because if she's a TikTok star, I have legitimately no idea who this person is. So I just call her new Shakira. That's what I was like. She's the new Shakira. Yeah, no, I, I when I saw yeah, when I saw the performance going on, I was like, I don't know what's happening, but this is not any more city announcement, so I'm stopping the record at this point. Right. Well, which but yeah. which by the way, not to go too off topic, but um Kansas City getting a World Cup is is incredible. Like uh uh and obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes was the celebrity they chose to uh, you know um represent Kansas City on the FS1 broadcast announcing it, but um I think this is on par with if the Chiefs ever built a new Arrowhead Stadium and got a Super Bowl here. I mean, I think this is that level, maybe even bigger. Well, I, I'd say I think it's it's probably going to end up being bigger, just depending on 
where everything's at in 2026 and what the city is able to invest in wherever they need to from probably what hotel transportation wise or infrastructure if they need to to kind of help create things around arrowhead stadium um and what that situation will be who knows at that time i don't know it's four years away a lot a lot can happen between now and then i do think that the announcement does kind of pump the brakes a little bit on stadium talk in town i i think it would be difficult to have you know construction going on out there in the you know around 2026 i think it would also be difficult to um have downtown torn up trying to construct a stadium downtown during that time if you're trying to show what the city is and can be you know and really flex for visitors so one way or another, I think it affects the timeline, whether whether it ramps it up and they try to get something done downtown before 2026 or whether it put, you know, puts a, a pause on everything for a few years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that'll be, that'll be an interesting storyline to follow the next couple of years in that regard, what they're able to add on to the city, how the city does with the NFL draft when it comes to town and what they learn from, you know, what they learn from the draft and what, what that potentially can entail about what lessons they take away from that for the world cup. So, I mean, the, the NFL draft is going to be a good barometer um, to show what they need to add, what they mean you need to work on and that type of stuff, because the world cup is going to be even bigger than that. And in, in a lot of different ways, but that's a, that's a good stress test for everything. And then something else I'll end up saying, <clears throat> I made the joke on Twitter about, you know, how, Kansas City, you know, was able to beat Denver, even though, you know, they didn't need Patrick Mahomes for this one. And a lot of people said, well, you know, he's involved and people want to credit him and everything. The thing I the thing I want to emphasize here is Kathy Nelson, the president of the sports Kansas City Sports Commission. Um, I used to work with her at, at Metro Sports when I was an intern there. And yep. Kathy is insanely talented. Kathy is great at what she does and how much of what the city has been able to get with the big 12 tournament sticking around here and not going elsewhere when it could have gone to Dallas on a regular basis or Oklahoma city, Oklahoma or somewhere else, but they were able to keep it here as much as they have. And they've been able to keep stability with that part of it, even after Missouri left for, you know, sec and everything Um, for her to get that, for her to get other, you know, other sports events to, to come here, to get the NFL draft here, to be able to get the world cup here, like all those things combined. I don't know if those things don't happen with, without I don't think those things happen without Kathy and her team and what the Kansas City sports commission's done and visit KC's been able to do and all them combined. That's where like, whenever I make the joke about, you know, the Patrick Holmes thing, everybody says, Oh yeah, he played a part in everything. I'm like, guys, you underestimate, how much all those people on that can, on those committees did to be able to sell Kansas city and what it, and what it is and what it can be and what they can offer for, cause there was a time and you and I both know this back when over the, you know, was it 94 when they tried to get the world cup here before previously? When yeah, they, they were, yeah. Ni- the U S hosted the world cup for the first time in 94 and Kansas city bid for games or, or tried to get games and, and was not successful in that bid. Right. And, and from that time forward, I mean, looking at what's been done in this town with soccer, with adding sport in Kansas City, with adding all the soccer complexes here, 
with investing in soccer that the, the way that they have over the past 20 some years now and the Kansas city current and what Chris and Angie long have done being able to create that and being able to create the first, you know, soccer stadium for women's sports either for women's soccer sports and then the WSL and the training facility that they're, they're going to open next week, all those things combined, like the investment that's been made in Kansas city soccer since that time. And over the past 20 some years, that also is a huge part of it. And all the people that were involved in investing in soccer, whether it's just a guy who was volunteering his time coaching on the, on a youth team. Like or me. The, yes, Todd, even you helped. I'm, I don't like saying that right now, but I'm, I'm fourth, going to fourth, fourth grade. I like the sport, I like the rec league uh, spring soccer champions right here. We were the, uh, the sour apples. It's par for the course there. <laughs> we, we had a we had a dominant team. I'm just telling you. <laughs> so, so sounds about right for team name and everything for a Todd Palmer. <laughs> you know, and the kids chose it. We we had we had sour apple green jerseys. So you know, what are you going to do? Well, I can I can tell that they chose it because you would have had a much more ridiculous team name if it had been you. <laughs> oh yeah, but, absolutely. But the whole point is like like I I want to make sure that all all those individuals involved get their due for what they did. And I know how heavily involved sporting was, the Chiefs and everybody combined. And, and uh, I don't know if I remember, I think John Sherman was involved from some of the things that we've heard. So, I mean, it was a city effort and it took multiple team organizations, took multiple individuals from different organizations across state lines to be able to get that all done and for them to come together in both Missouri and Kansas to make that happen like that. That's just that speaks volumes for, for this town and what it can, what it can help do in terms of, you know, cause I mean, when you think about Kansas city, everybody talks about Kansas city barbecue, Kansas city barbecue. Well, this is an opportunity to add even more to that list about why people should, em- should enjoy Kansas city or embrace Kansas city. And it's not just purely for barbecue. Well, and I'd add to that. Like, like my kids just aren't that into sports. Right. And I don't force it on them. I don't like make them sit down with me. I, you know, we, we play stuff in the neighborhood, but you know, they, they, you know, haven't shown a lot of interest in playing in a lot of different leagues, stuff like that. And that's fine. Like I said, I don't, I don't try to force the issue. Um, my oldest son has asked me more questions about soccer in the last, you know, 15 hours since uh, I texted him to tell him that Kansas city had the world cup coming. Um, then he probably has, you know, um, in, in the previous two or three years. So, um, I, I think it's exciting. You mentioned Kathy Nelson. I would also add, uh, Catherine Holland, um, who is kind of her number two, right. Right. um, headed up the bid committee and, and, you know, the job she's done, especially when Kathy was dealing with some health challenges and, and taking on the visit KC, uh, role that Kathy Nelson's now in as well. Uh, Catherine Holland deserves her flowers. Uh, as well as Jake Reed, the CEO of Sporting Kansas City, who sits on the Kansas City Sports Commission board. And I know that Sporting Kansas City was integral um, in in this bid process and making this happen. Um, it, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a phenomenal event. And, you know, for people who were surprised, um, I would say don't be. I mean, if you haven't paid attention to the soccer-specific infrastructure in Kansas City with the national development training center out at compass minerals park um you know out there not far from children's mercy park it's world class it's one of the most technologically advanced soccer training facilities uh, in the world frankly um children's mercy park is probably going to serve as a home base uh for some teams as well 
uh, maybe even Swope Soccer Village. I mean, we may have, in addition to five games, maybe seven games uh, in Kansas City, you're probably going to have, you know, two or three sites that teams choose and, and maybe multiple teams choose to make Kansas City their home base, especially because it's centrally located, um, and take advantage of the training facilities that have cropped up through Sporting Kansas City. That's a big reason why. To me, though, one of the tipping points of why Kansas City got this bid is going to be Lamar Hunt um, and his legacy. Clark Hunt spoke to it a little bit um, during the press conference after Kansas City was announced as as a host city um, on Thursday at Power and Light. Clark Hunt became enamored with uh, soccer after going to the 1996 World Cup final between England and West Germany. And from then on, he, he attended the World Cup every four years. He was instrumental in starting the North American Soccer League. Um, and then in connection with, so the U.S. qualified for the 1990 World Cup for the first time in like 40 years or something ridiculous. And that was kind of the, gen and Peter Vermees was on that team, by the way, uh, supporting Kansas City's manager. That was kind of the genesis of the rebirth of, of American soccer. And the World Cup had already been awarded in 94. But as part of that, they had to start a domestic league. And there were three bids that were put forward. One of them was, was uh, by Lamar Hunt and Phil Anschutz um, to start what would be called Major League Soccer. And ultimately, that's the bid that was selected. Um, so, you know, um, he co-founded MLS, you know, and he at the time owned three teams. Um, the franchises in Dallas, Kansas City, and Columbus. They now they only own the Dallas uh, FC Dallas now. But Lamar Hunt's role in growing the sport cannot be underestimated. Clark Hunt's influence um, and, and the chance to host games in the house that his dad built, Arrowhead Stadium, I don't think can be underestimated. I truly do not believe that the World Cup games are awarded to Kansas City without that legacy of, of growing the game that Lamar Hunt started in Kansas City and then without the way the Sporting Kansas City ownership group took that ball and, and ran with it and advanced it even further. So we, we apologize. It's a big moment for Kansas City. We apologize on the Chiefs podcast. That we well, there, I mean, there is a huge about. Chiefs connection there. And yeah, yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm saying so, somebody, somebody somewhere is like, hey, I want to hear more about <laughs> Right. Well, and, and maybe maybe you've tuned out. But if you didn't, now you'll get rewarded because I, I did get to see uh, practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I can tell you the offense had the better of the day on Tuesday, uh, which is to be expected, right? A lot of it's seven on seven. You know, the quarterback's not worried about getting sacked or hit, you know, so uh, he can, you know, take a little extra time, wait for routes to develop. Um, and and, you know, look, what I'll tell you is if you're, you know, if you're wondering who the top receiver is going to be, who Patrick Mahomes has the best connection with so far, but, you know, beyond Travis Kelsey, obviously, but if you're talking about the new wide receiver group, it, look, man, it, I, I absolutely think it's going to be Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, he made a, a really nice leaping grab, high pointed the ball in a deep throw. Uh, over Trent McDuffie um, on the left sideline in day one uh, of practice. And um, he has been a machine catching passes. Uh, he's, you know, one-handed, one-handed catches off no look passes from 
um, you know, from Patrick and, and I think he looks good. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, look, he's always, he's been his most productive and he's been at his best when he is the number two guy, right? When he's kind of the forgotten guy in the slot can work the middle has a guy who can, you know, a guy or two who can, who can pull coverage one way or the, the other and create voids over the middle. Um, there's a lot of chemistry building there. Um, and importantly, um, you know, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Patrick talked about the, or sorry, Ronald Jones and Patrick Mahomes talked about the fact that they're not, they may go on vacation for a little bit, but they're not going to take this whole month off. They're going back to Texas to do more work, just like they did in March and April, um, to try to, you know, build that chemistry, keep working on, you know, on their timing with one another and, and get even sharper ahead of training camp. Um, I think, I think this offense is going to be just fine. Todd with some encouraging words after the mandatory mini camp and we'll see, we'll see if a training camp, once the pads come on, how that, uh, how that all ends up shaking out. There are, there are some, I'm curious to see the team speed on defense, the team mentality. When we get up to training camp, I'll be curious to see, um, before Lando Brown is there at that point. And, I'm, I assume his situation will be – I think his situation will be resolved one way or another at that point, obviously. Yeah. Because he's either getting a long-term deal or he's playing on the tag, either or. I mean, one of the two things is happening. Um, so, it'll be interesting in that regard. And then we'll see in terms of how the receiver group looks. I'm, I'm intrigued by them. And then, like I said, I mean, I'm, I expect the defense when we get up to training camp. I expect them to kind of – have some days where they're going to the, a lot of the younger guys are going to struggle. They're cohesively, they're going to be working through a lot of stuff. There's going to be some issues. There's probably gonna be some issues assignment wise. There's going to be some things of that nature, but I, I'll be intrigued to see from whenever I get to watch them up at training camp, hopefully um, until week eight or nine, what, what type of jumps do they take? What type of growth and development do they have? from that time until then. So, you know, that'll be, uh, that'll be, that'll be a months long, months long process on that. And, you know, that's just a, not just something you'll figure out in three or four days. Yeah. And you know, like I said, Wednesday, the defense rallied and it was kind of interesting because the two rookie corners, Trent McDuffie and, and Joshua Williams had, had um, left the field during Tuesday's practice, neither participated on Wednesday, but the secondary looked good. Um, and, and look, one of the things you can look for is, you know, for the rookies, like, you know, we all have read like, um, you know, or watch tape on their college film and kind of have an, a, you know, a feel for what their strengths and weaknesses were projected to be in say pass coverage. Right. Um, and some of those things were borne out. Like, I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling is a big, is a tall receiver, um, he used that height to his advantage against Trent McDuffie to catch that high point ball down the left sideline. Like if there's a, a con concern about McDuffie, who's a very versatile guy um, and is expected to be able to play man, play zone, have a high IQ. You know, if there's a question about his viability as an outside corner, it was his height, um, you know? And, and so, I mean, that is that going to be something you need to look at moving forward? You know, I mean, the question for Joshua Williams was level of play because he was coming from uh, the HBCU level, um, you know, instead of one of the bigger um, FBS programs. And, 
um, you know, that's going to be intriguing. Like, is he, uh, you know, does he struggle to adjust to the speed and physicality of the NFL game? Um, Leo Chanel, um, you know, the linebacker doesn't have a lot of range or a lot of speed getting to the sideline. There was a play um, on Wednesday's practice where Ronald Jones was all alone out in the flats uh, on a play. Nobody had any clue who was supposed to be covering him. He was that wide open. And then Chanel finally came out way late on the play. Now, whether it was a mental mistake or whether it's indicative of, of those struggles, like some of those scouting report things you were able to see, but the guy who was the most impressive at Wednesday's practice for the defense was safety. Brian cook. Um, he had a couple interceptions, nearly had another one picked off Mahomes and Chad Henney. And he showed you know, he was supposed to be a downhill type guy. He's supposed to be more of a box type guy. Um, supposed to be, I think the term, uh, you know, Herbie Teope and other guys used was heat seeking missile, um, in terms of a safety man, he showed some range dropping deep, uh, to, to pick up Patrick Mahomes and then a play later getting all the way to the sideline to break up a pass and nearly intercept it from Chad Henney. Um, if there's one guy who, you know, maybe you were like, hmm, maybe there's more to it than the scouting report suggests. It was definitely Brian cook who had a heck of a day. And, and once he got his second interception, uh, walking back to the sideline, Spagnolo called him over, gave him a hug and then, and then bent his ear for a quick minute. Uh, but Brian cook looked good. Um, and that's gotta be encouraging, you know, to see that second round pick, um, you know, um, making some plays early in camp. Look, you know, like you said, all the caveats still apply, but you would rather see guys making plays than not making plays at this stage of the offseason. So, yeah, no, that's always a good sign. <laughs> that's never a bad sign that, oh, they're, yeah. Oh, they're making plays on defense. This is frustrating. I mean, look, it's no reason to panic if they're not necessarily, you know, because you never know where they are at the learning curve in terms of getting stuff down, how much they're thinking, how much they're reacting how much a guy like Karloftis is worried about making sure he doesn't accidentally knock over Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, all the, you know, so it's not, but if guys are already making plays that that's, that's encouraging. Well, and, and the other thing that I, that I have to caution people on um, is that whether it's OTAs, mini camp, especially training camp, there's certain things they're working on. There's certain coverages they're wanting to have the offense get looks at. There are certain things they want the defense to get looks at formation-wise and route combination-wise, or maybe in terms of how they want pass protection to go when they see this type of look or in that. And, you know, so all those things combined, like there, there's stuff that they're working on goal-wise each day. So, I mean, when players do make plays, it's, you know, that's, that's encouraging no matter what it is. But also in some regards, there's certain instructions that they have that media isn't necessarily privy to. And right. the fans aren't privy to to where hey we they were working on this cover two scheme all day and like you know so then when somebody's like well you know they you know this safety he 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 missed this every single time well I mean <laughs> they're they're specifically having plays go against these coverages to hit those weak spots so that's not that's not necessarily you know far too often I think people think that um, especially in training camp when the fans are able to come out there. Um, people think far too often that it's just a freestyle, you know, it's kind of a freestyle where, well, he should have, he should have done this because he was in that area. It's like, yeah, they, they're, they're wanting certain looks for certain things. And it's not always like when they do one-on-one drills, it's a whole different ball game to where you can kind of 
you can gauge that and you know just because that's more of a freestyle type of thing or when a linebacker is doing one of those rushes against a running back or tight end or something of that nature where it's a one-on-one type of drill like yeah no you can you can judge them based on their technique and their ability and their strength and all those things combined but when it's more team there's just there's certain things that they're the positions are being put in sometimes and you know, that they're wanting to get looks at. So it's not always a guy able to make the, the best play because of it. It reminds me a little bit of the year that Zach Greinke decided he wanted to develop his changeup. And so at at spring training, there were games where he just threw nothing but his changeup to get a feel for it. And his numbers looked awful because he was throwing the changeup every pitch and guys knew what was coming. And they were basically batting practice fastballs once they figured it out. And so, you know, Grinky's numbers look terrible, but it was because there was a method to what he was trying to do. And it, it had nothing to do with trying to have good stats that, that game, he wasn't trying to fool batters. He was trying to see if he could locate and work on his, on his changeup. And it is what it is. So, you know, like you said, there'll be times where, you know, you don't, you, you can't necessarily trust your eyes because you just don't know. You can't trust what you see because you just don't know what the situation is. I mean, just think back to last year, everybody thought the defensive line looked great in training camp. And then it had, you know, and then it, it struggled to produce, produce sacks last year. Um, so, um, you know, were they just putting the defensive line in advantageous positions, trying to, um, you know, trying to help him out um, or, you know, or did, you know, was there some other factor that came into play once the season got along that tamped down that production, um, you know, but, it doesn't always match up what you see in practice versus what's eventually going to happen. So Todd, we're technically five weeks away from the official report date for rookies and quarterbacks. So we got that coming up. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, five like weeks they, on five weeks to, to try to enjoy before the football cycle and next sports season starts all over again. So in the question I have ahead of that is, who is going to take over Anthony Sherman's role of making the most ridiculous entrance um, to training camp, right? Like he and Dustin Colquitt are both gone, you know? And, and so, I mean, I really think we need someone to step up in that void and like show up in a hot air balloon or something like that. Well, I mean, they, they have some new players on the football team that can try to take that over. I mean, there is, you know, there is a possibility. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster has something that we get to, you know, sum up his sleeve for his, his first uh, camp appearance in Kansas City. Maybe there will be something there. But, I, you know, you always – the guy who the guys who always seem to kind of carry on that unique tradition, and I don't know if it gets passed down or not, is, um, you know, the specialist. You know, I don't know if Colquitt's got that passed down, you know, year after year to where – Remember, there's one year where I can't remember if it was Colquitt or uh, who or Bucker who it was that they showed up in the in the race car <laughs> one year. I, I, I'm pretty sure that was Colquitt in, in Clint Boyer's race car. Maybe I don't know, I, I, but I remember like there, there was something unique each year that that the specialist always tried. So I, uh, you know, I mean, maybe maybe somebody follows in those footsteps. So maybe Bucker and Winchester they. Oh, no, it was, it, that was that was Sherman. Sherman showed up in Clint Boyer's car. Well, there's something. Maybe they showed up in a in a military vehicle. Oh, that was Colquitt. Yeah, yeah, Colquitt. Yeah. So I mean, I'm getting my vehicles mixed up that arrived at camp for one random day. So I apologize on that one. But yeah, like you said, Sherman always had a unique outfit. So I mean, we'll see if uh, we'll see if anybody else you know wants to wants to tackle that challenge and 
and then go from there. So, I mean, that's, that's really Todd. That is the, that is the biggest question we ask ourselves over the next right. five and a half weeks. Forget Orlando Brown, forget, you know, what, you know, what the defense is going to look like, like who is going to make the best training camp entrance. Yeah. Well, I hate yeah. one, one and, last and if you bu- have any predictions, feel free to uh, <laughs> hashtag Todd because he, uh, because Todd loves hashtags. That's right. Send him a, a message on the old Twitter there and, uh, you know, give him your prediction for which player that's going to be. Also, I would encourage you guys to ask questions about how Daniel Sorensen looks at Saints training camp to Nick um, as often as possible. Um. <laughs> I won't know. I, I will have no idea how, uh, how he's looking down there and how. Uh, Tyron Matthews looking. I was, I was wondering if Dorian O'Dano was going to join the club down there. Right. You kind of complete it for the Saints, you know, in general there. Yeah. I, I just, I think it would be great if, if people would be like, be like, how are they going to replace Sorensen? How are they going to replace Neiman? <laughs> oh, I forgot about Neiman. Yeah. No, I totally <laughs> forgot about that one. So that'll be great. That will be a lot of fun. Last thing I want to just mention. Um, you know, the Tyreek Paul Tyreek Hill podcast uh, has come out. Um, uh, it had to be said. Um, it need, I think do, it's, do, it, needed, it, it to be needed to be said. Uh, my first question to you, Nick, because I know that you gave a blow by blow account of listening to it. Did it really need to be said? No, it, <laughs> it really could have. It, it, it could have not happened and, and been completely fine. And everybody could move on about their day. He could have collected his money and, you know, Patrick wouldn't have to answer questions about it. Andy wouldn't have been asked about it. Like, you know, it just like, I mean, you know, I mean, Tyreek, he, he, he elected to, to put some personal stuff out there in terms of his interactions with the team and, and that type of stuff. And like, you know, I mean, here we are, we're promoting it. So they got what they needed out yeah. of, out of it, you know, and people, publicize it and promote it for two weeks by talking about it so they got what they wanted out of it but it, it, it was i don't know i mean there was a lot of contradictions in there from things that i had heard you know and i'm like yeah like, I, don't, I don't buy that i mean it seems like revisionist history but you know you do you on that one and i get he's going to support his new team and kind of pump them up and everything but the, the key points i kind of took away from it was Drew as an agent, Drew Rosenhaus, trying to make it sound like that Tyreek wanted to be the face of a franchise, and and then Tyreek contradicted that and said no that he didn't, but then he made sure to mention Mahomes and Kelsey as they can have all those they can have all those accolades and everything. He just wanted to, for however he phrased it, he wanted them to. He wanted the coaches to know that defenses feared him. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure they're aware of it. That's how they set right. some things up. But, you know, it just, I don't know. I mean, there's some comments in there that I'm like, I'm kind of wondering sometimes, like, man, do you kind of know, like, the purpose of Andy Reid's scheme? Like, it takes advantage of matchups and opportunities, man. So, like, you know, for him to kind of been unhappy, as he claimed, about as far back as week two that he wasn't getting the catches and everything. In all honesty, I think Mahomes forced the ball to him now that I know that that piece of the puzzle, there were times where it makes sense why Patrick may have kind of forced opportunities to him. Yeah, to keep him happy, and that he literally set a franchise. Drives. He literally set a franchise record for receptions last year. Like literally, no Chiefs player ever has had more catches. And I know there was an extra game, but I, I mean, I I agree with you. I think there were times that they forced, tried to force the ball. The time, just think about the last play uh, of 
the AFC, the first half of the AFC championship game or the they last decided not to play and Tyreek's last right, when, thrown to him. Right. When they, when they decided not to go for a field goal and instead like, I mean, that felt like it was predetermined and then Patrick said as much, he was going to throw the ball out to Tyreek and try to let him make a play. And then, you know, it ended up being thrown into a double team and Tyreek wasn't able to make a play. And we all know what happened, um, you know, for the rest of the game from there on, but I'm not buying that, that, uh, you know, that the, the chiefs didn't target him enough. Um, you know, and like, I, I also, I'll be, I, I, I wonder how Travis Kelsey felt about the insinuation that, um, were it not for Tyreek taking all the double teams, like that, you know, Travis Kelsey's numbers wouldn't have been as good as they were. I, I mean, I, I feel like it was, it was a one in one, a situation from play to play from game to game teams schemed either against Tyreek or schemed against Travis Kelsey and whoever they were scheming against that was the other guy had a chance to eat that day. Um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't think it was all Tyreek or all Travis Kelsey. I think they benefited from being on the field together. Right. Um, and so am, am I surprised that Tyreek made it a lot about him? Um, surprise. No. Um, am I, you know, Patrick Mahomes though said he was surprised that the comments went public. Um, obviously, you know, talking about how Tua is the more accurate passer and, you know, that he didn't feel like he got enough touches and stuff like that. You know, Mahomes said he was surprised. He also said, look, he didn't reach out to Tyreek to talk about it. Um, you know, he, he said things seemed fine when they were at the Miami Grand Prix um, when Formula One came to Miami in May and that they chatted there and everything seemed fine. They had a good time and they hadn't really talked since then. I'll tell you this. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the kind of guy who um, it reminds me of like, I don't know if you guys all saw it after Golden State won Clay Thomas, like, you know, the Golden States had this strength in numbers, like, you know, like um, kind of team motto for a while. And in a March game, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Warriors and Jaron Jackson Jr. tweeted like strength in numbers with like a clapping hands emoji or something like that. And after game six, when Golden State won it, you can go find it on, on Twitter if you just look up Clay Thompson. He went hard after Jaron Jackson and, and the comment that he made, like kind of mocking the strength in numbers. And, you know, um, you know, and here they are having won their fourth championship. I promise you, Patrick Mahomes is hoping that the Miami Dolphins are on, you know, uh, are, are, you know, are on Kansas City's schedule sometime soon and that Tyreek is still on that team. And uh, I, you know, I would not be surprised if, you know, like think about when Lamar hunt was, or Lamar Jackson was picked ahead of him on the NFL's hundred best players, you know, and Patrick Holmes counting that up on his fingers after throwing his 80th touchdown pass in that game in Baltimore. Uh, Patrick's not going to forget what was said. And Patrick's going to put that chip on his shoulder and use it as fuel. One and the guy that I'm kind of curious about after hearing those comments down the road will be how does Kelsey not necessarily not press or not press conference wise, but really more kind of dealing with um, out on the football field. Like what kind of chip does that give him to kind of prove, okay, well, Hey, Tyreek's gone. I still put up these numbers. So, right. You know, that type of thing. I'll be intrigued by that one uh, down the road here. 
Um, the Chiefs do play the Dolphins in 2023. Right. Um, so, I yeah, seen. I mean, yeah. So if, if there is an opportunity, uh, um, it will potentially be the uh, – it will potentially be either in the playoffs in 2022 or definitely in, in 2023. And th- what's funny here looking at this is – <laughs> the poor the poor buffalo bills they were at kansas city last year for uh for sunday night football they're in kansas city again this year and then they have to play in kansas city again in 2023 during the season <laughs> so it's like with the chiefs dealt with the patriots where they were playing in new england almost every single year it's, and they had uh, the afc championship or the afc divisional game they had to play here uh, yeah. as well and the afc championship game the year before that'll be like five straight, <laughs> five bills, straight bills fans are gonna be like what the heck man like why 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 is this happening so that'll uh yeah that's the <laughs> bills are gonna have to deal with that part of it now so that'll feel bad for them on that but then hey 2024 and 2025 the chiefs would have to go on the road whether that is Miami or Buffalo or whoever's the in the same ranking the Chiefs are that year. So you don't, you don't think it'll be the Mac Jones led Patriots? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who it's gonna be. Like, but you know, wherever the Chiefs end up finishing and and that standings that year for AFC. So they're uh you know, there's 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 gonna be some opportunities in 2023, maybe 24, 25 potentially. And then they play the Dolphins again in 2026. So I mean you know, put on Tyreek's situation. There's there's some chances that uh, they'll get an opportunity to play each other. Yeah. And Mahomes won't forget. Um, and I look forward to seeing what <laughs> his reaction in those games. So, all right. That's all I got today. You good? Wow. wow you got talked out. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I know we can keep it's going. Like, it's like, you know, it's like taking a, it's like taking a, a, a little kid to go run around for the day at, a, at, a, at an event or something to, tire him out to tucker him out so that's kind of what this podcast does for you it's kind of to tire todd out to where he you know it's a service we do for his family so whenever they uh when they're gonna watch um streaming that night todd will todd will be too tired to talk yeah well i mean i think we are you know well over 40 minutes deep into this podcast so uh diminishing returns nick diminishing returns all right, Todd. Well, I'm going to start my day and go eat a bowl of cereal, even though it's almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy your cereal as you listen to the podcast. Take care, kids. Oh, and happy Father's Day to everybody. Oh, there you go. Yeah, take care of your kids. Bye, Nick. <laughs>